All right, cool. Let's go. What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode 279. That's 279 episodes of this podcast. Actually, more than that, but that's just the number in your feed. Yeah, actually, that this I looked is recently, and it, it's about 298 right. as of last week. So I think this might be the 299th wow. episode. But we'll still make a big deal out of the official 300th yeah. episode, not whatever yeah. the next couple, whatever it is. Well, you know, right, right. These point fives, these special ones, like they kind of are like... They're, they're the uh, side stories. They're not the main trilogy, or you know, we're we're, we're yeah. kind of keeping track that way. Um, I'm Steve. I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Ron, and I'm John. I'm pointing to you guys in the direction that you're appearing in my Zoom, but it's probably <laughs> no, I, I, it's probably I, I, I not the same. Like, yeah, no, it's not. It's not. But now I know. Now I know when you look. I now you gave me a reference point for your eyeline for me. Yeah, so if, now if I you, know. Yeah, I noticed if I'm that looking the, this way. That's John. In the in the run video that we put on YouTube. It looks sometimes, Steve. It looks like you're look. We're looking at each other. It's really weird. It's, yeah. I didn't even I purposely that arrange them like that. I was like, "What the hell's going I on?" That. Yeah, strange. Funny. Yeah. And it was based on just the name order that I put it in. I was like editing and put the put them in the order that yeah. I just wrote up the names. And I'm like, "Why are these? Mm-hmm. There's like some some synergy That's going funny. on right there." Yeah, Ronald's talking about the uh, something we rarely do. We posted a little video last week to go along with our episode. We, if you listen to the show, you heard us talk to uh, Anish Chaganti and uh, Natalie Kasabian uh, about their movie Run, and um, you know when when their press people uh, recorded that interview for us and sent it out to us, they sent us the video. So Ronald posted that on YouTube, and you can check it out. You can see like our backgrounds uh, behind us. You can see my COVID hair. You can see all kind of stuff, you know, uh, if you if you're curious. Anybody that listens, it's like, what what do these assholes look like? Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I felt special, man. We we uh, we got our first question in the comments. I felt so happy to just type the answer. Somebody was like, who are these kids that you're mentioning? Boom. Thank you for listening. Boom. Links. IMDb. That felt good, man. That was pretty cool. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And. Since that episode aired, I mean, like, obviously, it came out last week on Hulu. We were talking a little bit over our text thread, just, like, how well it seems that that movie has done on Hulu, which is something we should at least mention, which is apparently it's, uh, at least from what they've said, I don't know that there's actual full-out numbers out yet, but um, basically it was their most streamed original movie ever. So, I mean, that's all relative, I guess, to what Hulu has offered since its uh, launch, but... I mean, there's been some other bigger titles, maybe bigger stars, whatever the, the, the measurement is. But I think it's a good sign for the movie. Um, you know, we talked about it a couple of times that just this is a movie that unfortunately, you know, had seen multiple delays, you know, due to COVID, not due to COVID. And then what it's, what's happening to it is going to come out in theaters or on, you know, like an over the top service like uh, Hulu. But it does seem like it's done a lot for the movie. And I do, I do feel really good for Anish and, and Natalie and all those involved in making it. Because, you know, we all like the movie quite a bit. And, you know, we like searching. And this is definitely a team and a filmmaking crew that we're rooting for. So 
it's good to see people talking about Run. Like I, I did notice a lot on some of my social media, like friends like posting that they were watching it, and you know people on Twitter, like a lot of entertainment figures that I follow on Twitter, posting about it. Stephen King tweeting about it. Um, you know, just it seems like it's kind of reached some sort of audience, and I don't know that it may have ever reached that audience in theaters. Who, who knows? But um, I think just the fact that it's out there now on Hulu and, and their membership, and maybe people will will try Hulu to check the movie out. And I hope they do because yeah, it's it's a really solid movie, and um, I'm I'm very happy to hear that you know just in a matter of I think it was only like three days or four days in they were saying it was like the most watched movie that they've put out, which is awesome, and it's really it's exciting to see um, you know filmmakers that we love and that we talk about and that we want to we want to see succeed and want to see you know what comes next for them that kind of conversation around them because it's really a warm conversation for them and and the product and the art that they put out so. Um, that was very reassuring, and obviously, it's mainly because they were on movie schmovie. But yeah, um, yeah, right. I mean, I was, I'm just gonna say it, but I, I wasn't going to. But we might as well. But I was gonna um, get around to that. We know what we yeah, know what horse. Yeah. We're all thinking it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it, yeah, it was really gratifying in a strange way, though, <laughs> even just to be some small part of the getting the word out yeah. about that movie when people started reacting to it. Because I saw people saying, oh, my gosh, this movie's so good. And I was like, oh, yeah, it really is. And I honestly, watching it in the context of getting ready to talk to them, I enjoyed it a lot. And I had a real interaction with it, but I think it grew in my estimation the more I thought about it. And seeing other people react to yeah. it, I was like, oh, yeah, it really is that solid. Or it really is. It wasn't just that I was getting hyped about talking to them. It really is an, an interesting, unique film, even though it's definitely reminiscent of a lot of things. So, yeah, if you missed that episode, check it out. Um, if you missed that movie, check it out. I guess we're really we're doubling back on our on our hype for hype for run. Yeah. Yeah. We're never going to shut up about it. <laughs> Does anybody have any news they want to discuss? Yeah, I saw, I mean, there's been a, a couple little things, but I saw today just where we were quick. We're, we're recording this on Wednesday, um, and I saw drop uh, a bunch of stuff in my Twitter feed that apparently, I didn't know much about this this uh, series at HBO, but apparently Joss Whedon had a series going through at HBO called The Nevers that he's been developing that was supposed to come out next year that apparently he, as of like an hour ago of us recording this, that he's basically dropped out of or removed himself from the production altogether. Really? Um, for like, you know, just personal reasons saying, you know, that I think his statement is something along the lines of it's just takes, it's going to take too much time to do this, you know, in a pandemic world. And I, I just can't focus on that. So, I mean, that just happened, like as we were about to record this, Again, I don't know anything about that show. Uh, I think it had to do with like sci-fi and like revisionist history fiction stuff. Like I don't know, but Dang. not a not a good. Uh, I mean, in terms of him him doing stuff, and in light of a lot of the stuff coming out about the Justice League stuff and Ray Fisher and things like that. Yeah. Or Ray. Yeah, Ray Fisher. Yeah, Ray Fisher. Well, it says <clears throat> right here. Uh, I just gave a quick scan. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Entertainment Weekly's Twitter says, Joss Whedon is stepping down from the upcoming HBO series The Nevers in the wake of a controversy over his time directing the Justice League reshoots for Warner Brothers. And then there's a link oh out of the article. Um, but there's other sites that are just sort of speculating that he's, you know, I mean, referring to him as embattled director Joss Whedon, there, there is that side of him that 
as you kind of alluded to, Steve, um, <clears throat> Steve, where every bit of news we've heard about him in recent years has been kind of tarnished yeah. in some way. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've joked about it as he entered into the unflattering file photo phase of his career, where when they they do an article about him. They stick a, a picture where he looks <laughs> he looks angry or 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 bloated or you know his skin tone doesn't look good. But you can tell when the knives are out for somebody. Sometimes you, you sort of filter it through. But when that Justice League stuff broke most recently, that was really some of the most damning stuff you hear about him. That just makes it sound like maybe on top of everything else, he's not a good guy to work for or to work with. Right. Um, beyond all, beyond all the personal stuff I've heard about him, that is makes him sound like not a nice guy. But I don't know about. Uh, career ruining stuff so i don't know it's it's another it's another bad bit of news that's got joss whedon's name yeah. attached to yeah, it yeah. so i mean ray fisher went on a campaign man. this wasn't like a regular level of like you know a, a revelation no, that came out about somebody this was like you know he tweeted a lot about it um he did a couple of videos about it it was it was pretty intense and you know this in in the age that we're in um it would be it would behoove you to just be nice to everybody because yeah. the assumption is going to be yeah. <laughs> if you're targeting your energy towards somebody that's brown or woman or, you know, any minority, you probably are an asshole. That's that's what people are going to assume, regardless of what the narrative is. Maybe Ray Fisher was terrible on the set. You know, there's this. But it's, it's who beats you to the media first. And right. Well, look at who's been supporting Joss Whedon. It's like the studio and the other production people on the movie. And look at who's produced, uh, like, seeming to kind of support Ray Fisher. It's the other actors. So I sort of feel like it probably looks different from from an executive standpoint. Yeah. But if someone's running the workplace that is a movie set in that way, then they shouldn't be there, you know. And and an ironic thing is, people thought of Joss Whedon as the fun-loving one, and and yeah. Zack Snyder as this as this you know weirdo or whatever this. And again, where you talk about filmic styles, you could still have that debate. But apparently, Zack Snyder is a really warm guy to work for, and really engenders a sense of family and 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 has that personal side to it. And at least for this crew, this this group of people, it doesn't sound like Joss Whedon came in and continued that feeling for anybody. Right. Um, but again, you know, you're, it's it's still, as much as I tend to believe Ray Fisher's account, it's still different people's account of the story. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's not like we'll ever know for sure uh, what really happened there. But I tend to believe the actor who's having this sort of cathartic moment where he finally tells the story that it, I could just totally believe the narrative of you keep your mouth shut for a long enough time. And then when it seems like it's really in the rear view and you're, especially if you're coming back to this material for this, uh, you know, this redo that Zack Snyder's doing for next year. Um, I could see how all those wounds would be kind of fresh. And it reminds me of John Boyega speaking out against his treatment, uh, uh, by Disney on the recent star Wars films or just the way they kind of hyped his role and then didn't really have much to do with him. Right. It's like, you can imagine people kind of going along with things and going with the flow when they're in the midst of this, this huge apparatus that's making a giant movie. But when you can look back at it, even just a little bit, you can say, oh, wait a minute. No, that wasn't that really wasn't cool. And again, it's great that we're hearing these stories. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but whether that has anything to do with why he stepped away from this show, I guess, is is remaining to be seen. But it's kind of hard to believe that they're not connected somewhat when your career kind of goes to that place. I could see HBO. Yeah. You know. Not wanting to to, to hang a, a new multi million dollar enterprise on somebody who is is kind of losing status in that way. But I don't know. It still seems, you know, it's a real turnaround from when he was kind of the darling. 
Yeah. I'm sure it's not. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I, I actually, I'm not sure of anything, but I'm sure that. I mean, I, I'd assume that. You know, it may. It, it's definitely a factor in why this is happening. I don't know that it's the reason why it's happening or if it's causing this to happen. Because I mean, HBO is saying that you know they still aim for this thing to come out next summer, which is like you know pretty. Uh, big commitment, you know, in terms of, a, you know, living in a pandemic world. And I mean, this this series must be something that they still want to do. And I'm sure that his involvement in it's still going to be pretty apparent in some ways. But yeah, I can't I can't imagine that, you know, all of the stress and the weight of what's going on with, you know, literally what the headline in the wake of the Justice League controversy stuff like it's probably not making anybody's job easier, you know, including him, uh, whatever he's doing, you know, it's just like, it may be better just to kind of step back and just, uh, and say, uh, you know, you need, you need a, a break from this. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's, it sounds interesting though. Um, this, the series does, um, again, I never heard of it prior to this announcement tonight, but it does seem like a pretty interesting show. I mean, it sounds like if, 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 it might be a different thing, but I feel like he's been working on this for a long time. Like, yeah, like I, I feel like this is something he's been talking about for for a really long time. I know it got. I know it was. I remember reading like two or three years ago. It was like straight to series, you know, order at HBO, which is you know a pretty good sign of their you know, um, not like a pilot or anything, just a straight order. But yeah, uh, that's true, especially with HBO. Yeah, yeah. develop a show for years <laughs> without right. Yeah, but we'll see. I don't know. We'll check it out when it comes out. But I mean, pretty pretty interesting piece of news uh, going into the <laughs> a little news dump before the holiday weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, Warner Brothers confirmed that Mads Mikkelsen is actually going to be replacing Johnny Depp. I, I, that's like that's okay. news. I mean, it was a rumor before, but Warner Brothers confirms it, which is I I think it's a great casting. I mean, I, I'm always with Mads in terms of casting for anything. He's so good. And seeing Definitely. him in a role that's, you know, this this level of complex, pretty cool. No, I, I it's it's hard to believe he hasn't done more kind of major stuff that makes him. I mean, I feel like he's on the edge of being a household name. Um and this would definitely be a something that might put him over. I, I, mm. I still feel like it's a shame that they replaced uh, Colin Farrell with Johnny Depp. Oh my God! Yeah, uh, in in that role because he, you know, he's I, I've come to really love him in recent years. I would have been happy if I'd heard, oh, they just rehired Colin oh, Farrell. <clears throat> Colin Farrell, but um, I think Mads Mikkelsen is a great choice for. I mean, even though it's hard to think of anything Harry Potter related right now without also kind of thinking of what J.K. Rowling herself has done uh, to sort of tar her her legacy a little bit with, uh, you know, this. Uh, I don't know. Just she's got her own, you know, issues with her kind of transphobia and all that stuff that is seemingly coming out. So that, that's that's just a troubled world, a troubled production. Um, but I think that Mads Mikkelsen over Johnny Depp is a step up, even if it were just a purely casting yeah. <laughs> based yeah. choice. Yeah, I'm just not that interested in what he'll do these days. And I, you know, his personal life is also a, a, a shit show that I, I can't pretend to know about. Yeah. But if you know seems like a pretty unsavory guy in some ways so this isn't really news but uh i'm, I'm looking at this uh feed talking about uh like love and thunder uh thor love and thunder mm -hmm. how they were saying how like uh chris pratt's gonna be in that that film also now um or it was confirmed that he was 
but they were posting these. I don't know. Have you guys seen these pictures? You can't see this on the podcast, but have you seen these pictures of Chris Hemsworth's yes, arms? As Hulk Hogan? Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like Hulk Hogan and I'm sure that's going to bleed into Thor in some way, but yeah. look at this motherfucker. Yeah. That Hulk, is insane. That, that looks, looks like a that looks like a muscle suit. Yeah, it does. It really does. I yeah. can't <laughs> wait to see that biopic, man. Like I'm I know. Hulk Hogan's like, you know, yeah. Icon. He's going to be so good and he has that amount of silly that he's going to cuz Hulk Hogan is a silly person. Well, how, how dark are they going to go with Hulk Hogan? I hope they are go they going to really get into deep. some of the more yes. recent oh, crazy man. stuff, or is it going to be sort of a happy day? I, well, isn't know, this one of those? Of, was this is one of those problems where like isn't he a part of the production team? Yeah, yeah. so it can't go too deep maybe, on this unsavory. Maybe stuff. he'll try to be more like, yeah, this is what my life is. I did call some people <laughs> some racist stuff, and I did sue a publication and bankrupt them. Yeah, that was crit that. To me, is triumph of all triumphs. But not just that, his lawsuit or his case hinged on him talking about how he had he had bragged and exaggerated the size of his dick, which is just like that. To me, is something like t- to picture him like tearful on the right. stand saying, "No, my that was just I just said that." You know, it's like <laughs> that. It's hard to picture him producing the movie and saying, "We got to get this part in there." But it's also hard to pr- not picture Chris Hemsworth killing a, <laughs> a ridiculous scene like yeah, that yeah. so i don't know it yeah but i mean i agree i think it's just interesting it, it seems like a, at a different time this movie would have been primed to be one of those kind of quirky fun-loving biopics where there isn't a dark mm-hmm. underbelly right <clears throat> dark underbelly to the person right. and so they get to be kind of fun and frivolous or even something like ed wood or something where you're kind of paying homage to somebody it's kitschy, but now he's got this side to him, and I just don't see how you make a movie that ignores that stuff without seeming like it's <clears> pretending <throat> that we don't know. But also, it it is hard to picture how you put that in a movie, you know, if he's involved. So no, I'm very interested what the tone, what what they're going for with that. But th- that casting definitely oh, brings a smile to my face. So <clears throat> yeah, the uh, one of the other things I was going to mention also, just basically as we were doing this call, it was breaking that. Uh, uh, what was it called? Godzilla versus Kong, mm-hmm. like the Adam Wingard movie. Did you guys see that? Um, apparently, Netflix made a two hundred million plus offer to try to get the movie for streaming on Netflix. Um, but apparently, it seems like what well, I mean, at least what this is reporting is that um, they that Warner Brothers is trying, I guess, their share of this production because it's them and Legendary that make mm-hmm. these. That they're trying to that, that it actually may come out on HBO Max. Get out of here! What? Yeah, I mean that's that that's what they're saying. Oh my god! Tonight. I mean I don't know. I, you know this is like I, I guess maybe they're gonna part of this commitment is gonna see how Wonder Woman does, but um, you know the it's targeted for May twenty first, twenty twenty one theatrical. You know if that happens or not, I don't know. But they're they're apparently because and and it got pushed back. It was supposed to be before that. But that's that's another one that apparently just like the rumors of Bond, you know, these big franchise movies that Netflix is trying to get. Um, apparently, that's another one, and that just broke today or tonight. That's I'm, I'm literally well, reading I mean, it as as we're talking. It, well, I think two things are happening. One, obviously, they want to bring some viewers to HBO Max. But then also, totally. AT, AT&T 
is making these moves, man. Like that, you know, they they own all these companies, and I think that they they're like, look, these 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 films are just sitting there. We need to offload some of this stuff. Yeah. And from a business standpoint, they're just kind of like, you know, it, I feel like the assembly line is starting, and uh, this this feels like a proof of that. So that's cool, man. Yeah, because eventually, like, there's yeah, eventually, like, it's. There, there's like a bit of a, a possible lull in production, but some of these like huge tent poles, you know, which are like kind of the prime suspect for what will still get theatrical releases, even in the post-COVID world, you know, the ones that have been sitting around for going on a year now, plus in some cases, because Wonder Woman, for example, was supposed to come back, that was supposed to come back out in, what was it, November of 2019, yeah. and it got pushed back to the summer of 2020, so like, you know, that movie even has been gestating for over a year. So it's like, how do you keep the word going for these movies for so long? Yeah. You know, while you're still getting the marketing going for the ones that are in production, post-production that are, you know, this year's tent poles or next year's tent poles. So it's like, I think you're right. I think there's like a bit of a overlap happening and there's like a call that has to be made in some of these scenarios yeah. where it's like, in Wonder Woman's case, like they're doing so, this hybrid, like theatrical where you can see it internationally theatrical but domestically since hbo max is a domestic product you know that seems like an interesting move and i think you're right i think a lot of it is to try to you know get as many subscribers on hbo max as possible for you know quarter reportings and things like that uh two two things um uh, december 10th is uh disney's uh quarterly call where they kind of announce things and the rumor is that they're going to add an adult section of disney that's that's accessible not anything like necessarily r-rated but maybe stuff like sitcoms that could go there they're you know a little more edgy with that said do you think that they'll if if that happens let's say hypothetically if that happens do you think that companies like are in trouble because Disney will try to put things that are a little more adulty on there. Like that could also pose a. You're saying that would be a that, that would be a part of Disney Plus. Yeah, the room. There's a rumor. I mean, it's just a loose a, a rumor that they're going to have stuff that could fit that's a little more adult. Not not our, but stuff that's I think a little that's, more adult. Yeah. I think if that's true and if that I think that's probably a, a smart move, especially with the announcement of how they're kind of deciding this new way that they're deciding where content goes, mm. um, you know, with the acquisition of, you know, F Fox and, you know, what they're doing with the, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, that's a, that's an interesting idea because, you know, they're back in the day, you know, there was all these imprints under Disney that were putting out movies that were more adult, mm. um, you know, like, uh, what was the one? Um, like, uh, was it Touchstone? And um, I forget what the other one was. Um, yeah, Hollywood. Like all these, all these production houses that were doing the adult fare, which I mean, could still end up on Disney Plus as it was today. But I mean, I think that yeah. you know you could see them getting into a space where it's not just like the yeah, like the family friendly across the board disney interface that it is now like you would right. see something where 
you know, kind of like how, honestly, like how Netflix does it, you know, where, you know, if you, you have profiles, you know, just like you can on Disney, like for kids and that, that's what they'll see. But in terms of you spending your dollars on their platform, if they can produce stuff that, um, is more adult and even like you said, not even R rating, but even some R ratings. I mean, they, they I saw earlier this week, they announced that like they're moving forward with Deadpool three, like that's going to be an R rated movie, you know, yeah. and that's a Disney, that's a Disney production. So, you know, that's got to have a place to live. So that would be consistent. So that, that would be interesting. Um, and, and bad news for other people because Disney, you know, they're, they're the biggest competitor I think for Netflix. So, yeah. Interesting That's stuff, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just a rumor. It's just a rumor I've I've heard in a couple places. You know, see what happens. Maybe it, maybe it'll be a thing. So, uh, did everybody watch uh, Hillbilly Elegy, the new Ron Howard film that's on Netflix? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. I feel like anything I say right now would betray my feelings about this film. Um, <laughs> does, does anybody want to give me a quick read on on what they thought of this uh, movie? <laughs> You know, we talk. Okay, so the first, my first thought is, um, Hans Zimmerman did the music for this movie. Z- Zimmer, Hans Zimmer. Zimmer. Yeah. To to be honest, I actually I enjoyed the movie. I mean, well, as much as you can enjoy a movie, um, it it, it was like a, a a high drama movie about generations of of people who just can't get it right and you know somebody trying to break the generational curse and i think that's so you know that that sticks to me that sticks to my to my ribs honestly um the performances were really great and um i didn't know this was based on a book um but to see the people that are portrayed they look so identical to the people they were they were actually portraying the actual real life people um, but it did feel like it had some shortcomings. Like I, you know, there were some gaps in it that felt like, man, this could have been edited a little differently. I feel like, uh, it could have come together a little better, but even with that said, I, I thought it was a great movie and it feels like it's going to be competing for some stuff. So that's the first thing that comes to my head. Um, I, I didn't really like it that much. Um, I didn't really, uh, I didn't read the book that it's based on, but I, I've heard a lot of criticism of the book, um, and and I guess wonder if the movie would correct some of it. Um, and in terms of the narrative and some of the plot devices that it uses to tell the story, um, but overall, I mean, I, I do think that there are some good performances in it. So I, I will, I, you know, I agree with that. I don't think that the lead actor um, was up to up to the challenge, especially uh, you know opposite Amy Adams and Glenn Close. I think that he was probably the weakest link for me um both as a kid and as you know uh, an adult but um i think the biggest thing was like it just it kind of it kind of felt super spastic to me i felt like it 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 felt very dull and boring at times and you know with some really kind of just weak and cheap dialogue and then the next moment there's just like a lot of yelling and anger and um, it just wasn't very the, the balance wasn't there um, enough to kind of keep the narrative going for me and um, and I mean, and in general, like I, I like mostly everybody involved with this movie. Like I, I, I genuinely love most Ron Howard movies, and he's kind of got a rap for being kind of like a, you know, having a certain style of movie um, and a style of filmmaking, which I don't necessarily 
looked down upon. I, I mean, I, I like again, I like most of his movies, but I don't know. Something about this just felt very kind of generic and cheap and um, not doing any service to, um, I guess the the culture that it's talking about. It's from what I've heard and read uh, in a lot of the reviews about it. Uh, mainly because I just don't think that the, the screenplay is there. It's it's the way that it goes about, um, like, Glenn Close's whole thing about Terminator 2 and good Terminators and bad Terminators, like that whole that whole scene. Did that um, even happen in the movies? Like, that sounded made up. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, I just, like, that's that? just, like... It's just weird. Like, I don't know. Just, it... it, it it isn't like a. I, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's like a disaster of a movie. I, I don't know. I'm sure people out there like it. I've seen a bunch of people posting about it already that you know that they've enjoyed it. And but it's just I don't know. Outside of the performances, and I think you know you're right. Like if anything is noticed, and I don't even think Zimmer's score stands out at all. Um, it just kind of gets buried with this movie, which just felt very generic to me. And. Um, yeah, I'd have a hard time probably recommending it personally. Yeah, I think that if you want to, if you want to, like, pick one thing out, you would say the performances. You would say that Amy Adams and and I would say to a lesser extent, but still in there, Glenn Close. Yeah. Like Glenn Close is playing a, such a kind of strong, kind of almost cartoony character that yeah. I, I do think that some of the dialogue, particularly when she's given like acerbic lines to say, that it doesn't really work. But there's a few moments later where she's just playing the sadness and the tragedy of her character's story just you see it on her face and you see the way she's trying to take control of a bad situation and 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 help her grandson in this case um and i felt that and 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 i do think the the lead actor um who was kind of outmatched by by both glenn close and um amy adams i would say the kid less so for me but definitely the kid is still a little bit like gobbled up by yeah. those other performers yeah. but it, it made more sense for it to be a kid but when he's grown there's a moment he has that was the moment you're kind of talking about ronald this whole idea of breaking a cycle um and i think that moment is very powerful and i think that it's it comes at a time where if i had been really into the the movie i would have felt this catharsis um <clears throat> or i would have felt this this moment of oh my gosh this this character has finally kind of taken control of his life but because of that lead performance being kind of kind of bland i do think that that moment kind of missed me a little bit and overall you know there's melodrama in some movies and sometimes a good melodrama just hits the spot for you and i like certain directors who use melodramatic stuff like you know magnolia is an extremely melodramatic movie right. and pt anderson uses those kind of melodramatic character beats a lot um and lets actors do that stuff and it, so it doesn't have to be cheesy and this movie is not cheesy uh, it, but it is kind of miserable, you know, and it yeah, is sort yeah. of like there is a there's a little bit of that. Why am I watching this? What is this story really? And I thought as it was going along, I was more interested in. I mean, this is going to sound. I'm not trying to make it something it wasn't trying to be, but I was a little disappointed, I should say, that the story didn't tackle any of the sort of socio political yeah. aspects of like why people in these rural areas are so depressed yeah. and why they, why addiction is such an issue. Again, I, I, I kind of wish it was the wire of the world that it's in. I would have yeah. liked to have seen a little bit more of a cross section. Sure. I felt kind of cooped up with these characters. And in the end, even though it is like a story of someone kind of, you know, coming out of a tough situation or maybe growing past humble beginnings or whatever you want to say, I found that sort of self empowerment message to be a kind of a shallow 
aspect of the story that I saw, and it felt like a weird note to 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 sort of to hinge the movie on of this is about someone saying, and you know, I'm all right. You know, like to me that felt a little, a little simplistic, but I, I agree that like you get sucked into the, the melodrama of this. I was watching it with my wife and she said, um, God, this is just like a, a an after school special that yeah. never ends, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I was like, I kind of know what you mean, you know, because it did feel like I was, yeah, it was this kind of moralistic storytelling <clears throat> Um, that, that it happens to be well acted it gives it a certain nuance, um, and I do think you can't blame Ron Howard. This material is not the sort of material you picture him tackling. Yeah, and you know I think he's the kind of journeyman director we've talked about liking on this show. Just people who you don't always know what their next move is going to be, and maybe he doesn't knock you on your ass with his style, but he does have a sort of sure hand that he brings to a, a lot of different movies. And he's one of those directors that if you made a list of everything he's done, you'll there's a few things that'll surprise you, and probably a couple of things you really like are on there. Yeah, the fact definitely. that you don't think of them as Ron Howard capital letters films is kind kind of part of what he does you know yeah, but no, he, i can i can see why people think of that as a sign of like something lacking in a director but but to me it's a sign of something some a different skill than some of the showier more stylistic directors have and it's almost like it's 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 like it's like what you're describing just there is i think this journeyman idea like he doesn't really i don't know that he has like a touch you know or or to most people that I don't know that you know you you would look at a movie and know that it's a ron howard film because it doesn't have that like signature style and I think a movie or the story like this, kind of what you were getting at, John, like you'd almost want more teeth on this story. You'd, you'd want to see a little more of that uh, sociopolitical, socioeconomic reason. Yeah, reason that everything is the way it is for this this part of the country or the people in this part of the country. And I don't know that, you know, uh, like a filmmaker without a real, um, like a real edge to him or her, um, or, or even a clear understanding maybe of, 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 of what this, you know, culture is like, or what this, this lifestyle is like. Uh, I don't know too much about him, uh, personally, although I, I feel like he probably comes from this type of, or his family probably does, but, um, I don't know. I just like, yeah, it's not like it's like a bad thing. I mean, I, and I, I do see a lot of people liking this movie and like, I've already seen a lot of people saying they do, um, um. But it almost just—it almost just feels like it, it didn't have enough of, of that edge that I would expect um, to kind of make you feel that turn or, or, or feel that cycle break that you guys are describing. Because I don't know that I felt it um, watching it personally, and I also just don't really know that I like. I don't think that the the this this protagonist JD is like there's enough there to like really follow or want to follow the story and the change and you know the 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 overcoming that, that he, that he experiences. Like it's one of the, I mean, he's, uh, I don't know that character, that story, that performance, I think is, is, is just very lacking in a movie that needs a strong protagonist to really pull you through the main story. And even a lot of the, like the little side subplots that are going on that don't ever get revisited or don't get resolved. And, um, a, you know, with a strong protagonist like that, I feel like you, you can more, uh, comfortably overlook some of those things and because you care so much about what happens next to this character and I, 
And and, and yeah, the, yeah. All, the only unifying factor you need is that protagonist. Exactly. And I feel like this character is set to do that, but it doesn't quite, you're right, it doesn't quite, like the flashbacks and stuff, they start to feel <clears throat> kind of monotonous. And right. you, you you do see, I mean, there it does deepen your understanding of the what's going on in the family as it goes along. And that that is, you know, dealing with multiple generations and stuff. It's always kind of cool to see a movie bite, bite, bite off that uh that idea sure but i just don't know i mean and also the fact that certain things are kind of ambiguous like the fate of certain characters and exactly what happened it just feels like it it feels like a movie that has all these all these opportunities for things to say but when i got to the end i was like i don't know that it had much to say about all these things that there's so much to say about right, right <laughs> you know right, right. um but it's, it's also very depressing and i think that's another thing i'm, I'm not a huge fan of sort of kitchen sink drama depressing movies i, I mean I, I i can admire the craft of them mm. and some of them are great but in general i'm you know i'm a little bit more of an escapist and that's one thing that is a hard sell for me like if the description of the movie is like a, per, a person deals with the, their family history as they return home <laughs> for an emergency i'm just like oh boy I count, count you out uh, i just i need like a robot or i need like you know uh, <laughs> somebody playing themselves and their evil twin or something you know i just need something to make it no i mean and i'm not trying to make myself sound like an idiot i can appreciate human dramas but usually the ones that hook me they hook me through some other means they hook me through some director's imprint or an actor that i really like or um you know a story that does have a little bit of a conceptual hook to it or something right. um you know i'm trying to think i don't know why i thought of the film nebraska was that the name of the um yeah, yeah. the uh will forte like yeah. that's a movie that is also like on paper could sound really depressing and drab, but something about oh it's Will Forte that gives you a <laughs> that yeah. gives you a clue that it's not going to be that or it's going to be that comedic actor toning it down and that'll be interesting to see. Um, but also you know the the writer director that's that was an Alexander Payne movie right yep. so that was another one that that had a lot going for it. But I'm just saying I you know I think that you can do the kind of returning home and dealing with the ramifications of your history. You can do it in a way that is really entertaining. Um, yeah. And I know this movie wasn't trying to be fun or entertaining in that way but um yeah it does feel like i mean what you said about it, it's hard to recommend it i was thinking kind of a similar thing like it's hard for me to imagine saying to someone yes you should spend two hours being kind of bludgeoned into feeling lousy <laughs> by this movie <clears throat> but if you want to hear glenn close say kiss my ruby red asshole then uh this is the movie for yeah. you yeah I didn't, I don't know. Like, I, it's one of those things, like, you know, production. It's a weird thing, man. Hans Zimmer doing this movie just feels a little overblown. Like, it feels like they should have, like, a pretty stripped down sort of soundtrack. The, I, I, I don't know. I, that's, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's just, it, that's it's a, good a strange point. thing. It's the, it's why I mentioned it. It's the first thing that popped out at me. I was like, either this is going to be an epically good movie or, it's going to fall short. Like there's no way that you, and I know that's like a Ron Howard connection to be like, you know what? I'm going to get Hans Zimmer to do this, this story about Appalachian people. You know, it's like, it's like the hill people. Yeah. Hill people. The the, the talk of the hill people. Yeah. This slice of life sort of story about hill people, you know, it just doesn't warrant it. And that is, that feels like a formula. It's like, if you were to have like a randomizer, they're like, well, run out. Hans, <laughs> kill people. It's like, what the fuck? 
it feels like a randomizer. So anyway. What else has anybody watched? I thought we would be talking about the end of Fargo this week, but Fargo doesn't end until next week. Was anybody else surprised that it got 11 episodes this season? That's the first time. I, like, was I honestly was like, yeah. episode 10, I was gearing towards it, and then I looked in the... In the sling, you know, listings, and it was like, wait a minute, there's another. Are one we coming? all caught so, up? Um, I, th- I guess we're all caught up, probably. I, I but think I'm. I think I'm one behind still. Well, we'll we'll just talk about it next week when it's actually yeah, over. Okay. But yeah, it, yeah. but I, I was I was looking forward to kind of dissecting that. I guess we can also talk about the end of the undoing. Uh, That's also okay let me, as well because I'm, I'm I had those two on my list. So I'm gonna yeah scratch it out. Um, can I can I speak about a show? That has blown my yeah. my mind and expectations about. Absolutely not, Ronald. You're not allowed to speak about <laughs> that, a show. That, that's crossing a line. It's not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, about I think it was about four or five months ago, um, Peacock had made the announcement that the Saved by the Bell reboot was starting uh, in a couple months. I spit on the ground. I said, "How could they remake such a great show? What could they do?" That could be a spin on this cool show, Zach Morris and everybody else that was in this show. How could they do it? And um, the people at Peacock were kind enough to give us the first three episodes of the show. Um, The first, the third, and the fourth. And then I wound up watching the entire one. They wound up dropping the whole thing a couple of days later. Man, I haven't laughed so hard at a show a comedy in a really long time it's really it's like community meets um community meets saved by the bell it's it has this there's some things to it that i really want to talk about that i i I want i I wonder i kind of want people to just find out through the show but there's this there are some there are some strides that are being made in this show that I literally have never seen in my life. Um, I kind of mentioned it to you guys in the chat. Um, one of the yeah. castings, and the move is so cool. It's done so well, and you know the the main character is Latina. Um, it's 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 done. You know, besides the um, Zach Morris's son, uh, Mac Morris. Uh, the other lead is Hispanic, great character, um, and just everything about this show kind of hits on all cylinders. I I loved it. It it was so fucking good. I think I'm gonna rewatch it. Actually, I you know I watched it wow. for screening purposes. I'm probably gonna start it back up tomorrow. It's it's that kind of show for me. I think it, it feels very of the time and uh, worth checking out. I mean, I'm shocked at on so many levels that it's that it's even comparable in a hyperbolic way to community, which I think is one of the more like clever meta self-aware things that anyone's ever made. So for you to make that comparison, that really intrigues me, but I have seen some of the casting and I have seen some of the marketing for it that makes it look like, okay, it seems to me like a far better made show than the original show, uh, whatever that's worth. Like I was not at the age where that show seemed cool. I was a little old when it came out, but I know there's a generation of people just behind me that grew up with that as like, this is an awesome group, you know, like I, when you were a teenager looking at those characters, it was so clearly a show about teenagers that was four little kids. Yeah, right. But um, so I don't have that nostalgic association with it. But I do think that like that cast 
has shown a sense of humor over the years about it. And a lot of them have moved on to have kind of interesting careers. And uh, so I don't know, I, I don't have like ill will yeah. towards it, but I have sure. no, there's, there's no benchmark of like, Oh, how could they remake this great show or whatever? Like to me, it was just kind of like, Oh, that it was garbage for kids to watch. That was on when I was a little too old for it. Yeah. And, and definitely the kind of meta reinvention, whatever they're doing with yeah. this, with this reboot is looks more interesting to to me than what you would expect them to do, which would be kind of a, a corny, you know, like a getting back together the same way they did. I feel like we had this exact conversation, but I compared it to Fuller House. Yeah. Like that is much more of just like a reboot in the same vein of right. the original show. This looks like they're saying, well, let's let's take what we know about good television and, and go back yeah. to this. And the interesting notion to me is that there's any substance worth going back to, but I guess there is if they're examining some of those social aspects of school oh, yeah. and how things have changed. And um, is, is Screech just nowhere to be found? Like that's the one thing so, I'm very curious about is... How do you how do you even deal with Dustin Diamond in 2020? I'm okay with him not being in it. The big one was Lisa Turtle, because that you know she she has had some issues, and she does show up. Yeah. And her performance is cool. Yeah. It fits into everything that's going on. One of the meta jokes that they have in the show is when they go to the cafe Max's. Um, they have the seniors in the show are are elderly people. Like that's like the, the the joke throughout the show. Like when you when they go to like everybody's kind of the age that they are, but then when they go to like people that are in the twelfth grade in high school, they're like older people, like 60, 70 year old people <laughs> that are just like at at the high school. It's so fucking funny, man. Like, yeah, it, I like what they did with it. So I nice. see that's a funny conceit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. So uh, that is one show. What else? What have you guys been watching? Honestly, man, I haven't been really watching a whole lot trying to keep a newborn alive. Yeah, but, I get um, that. How's that been going? I, mean, I hate to break um, the subject, but... Yeah, yeah, I'm watching Baby. That's what I'm watching. <laughs> baby, um, baby, baby too? I'm definitely not watching the back of my eyelids, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, did you see the Lego Star Wars holiday special? I did see that. That was good. It was good, man. Yeah. Did you fun. see it? Did you see it? Sydney, Sydney, Sydney loves uh, like Lego Star Wars. Yet. John, it's solid, man. I will. That. No, yeah. no, it's it, everything about it seemed very funny, and again, all yeah. those that Lego Star Wars stuff is typically very clever. So yeah, nah, man, I really haven't watched a whole lot. I, I got I finally got caught back up on Mandalorian, and um, I'm a couple, I'm one behind on Undoing, but yeah, I haven't really. I, I have all these movies like queued up that I've been wanting to watch. That that I want to check out that Come Play. Yeah, me that too. Came out on VOD. Me too. I want to watch that. And uh, with Gillian Jacobs yeah. and uh, John Speaking Gallagher. of community, yeah. Um, yeah, dude. But let's now, let's I, hope she doesn't Brit at this one. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I really, no, honestly, I, that trailer starts off go, and you kind of go, you're going like, oh, this looks kind of cheesy. But by the time it gets to the the sort of reveal, yeah. I'm really intrigued by yeah. what this creature is in that movie. And, and the effects look decent for for. For that that you know that level of movie, so I'm 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 intrigued by that one too. Yeah, but no, I I'm hoping to catch up on a bunch this week and maybe have a more to hopefully talk about next week. But yeah, what, what about you, John? Have you checked anything else out? Um, I checked out or finished up a couple uh, animated shows. Although there's one that I I only five of the ten episodes of Primal are on uh, HBO Max, but there have been ten on Cartoon Network yeah. that ran there 
And so I noticed that they're marathoning them next Sunday. So I will be able to watch episodes six through 10 of Primal then. But I watched the first five episodes of that on HBO Max and... It's. I think I texted you, Ronald, that it's one of the coolest looking things I've, I've ever I seen. I love that show, man. It's it's just so dynamic and interesting to look at. Uh, and I mean, it's no no surprise with the the pedigree of who's behind it, Gindi uh, Tarkovsky, who people will mostly know maybe from Samurai Jack, but he also did some really cool Clone Wars cartoons for Star Wars before they went with the CGI stuff. Um, and he also is the director of the Hotel Transylvania films, which may not sound like a, a great thing, but if you've seen those movies, you know they are very cartoony and they do have a really good visual energy to them. Yeah. And that is something that he is great at, is visual storytelling, using using color and pacing and shapes. And, you know, he creates such moods and primal is is really something special. I mean, it's very unique. Um, it is unsettling. There's, there's one story that is very sad uh, that deals with sort of the them taking down an animal to eat, which is a caveman and a Tyrannosaurus Rex are the yeah. main characters of the show. And the show's not totally naturalistic, but it does play into the natural world in a way that feels sort of real, like it's sort of brutally real. Um, and yeah, you see them do some, sometimes some kind of mean things because they got to eat. Uh, but there's one episode that really deals with that uh, in very head on. And I was watching it with, again, with my wife and she was like, I don't like this. This is too sad. And I was like, trust me, they're not going to show you something that sad without dealing yeah. with it. Uh, and then they do. And if you, you sound like you might know the episode I'm talking mm -hmm. about with uh, mammoths. Um, but uh, no, it, great. Just fantastic show. Another animated show, different end of the spectrum. Not about atmosphere and mood, but just about jokes. Uh, and I think you mentioned this once in the past too, Ronald, but I finally finished up Dicktown, uh, the John Hodgson yeah, cartoon. Did, did and it's a very, very, very funny yeah, show. So I mean, funny, it's yeah. just... And it, you know, it's visually, it's going to remind you of kind of Hanna-Barbera styled shows. Like the, you know, it kind of pretends to be that sort of retro detective style show but the deeper you get into those characters and the deeper that world develops um the more it's just kind of a portrait of this of this sad uh guy who you know with a and the arrested development of that character and what he's going through but the notion of a detective who started out as a teen detective like encyclopedia brown and now he's a grown man but he's still doing like the same kind of cases <laughs> it's it's a funny concept but where it really you know takes off is they get some great guests to come on and do just one character. And since it's a mystery based show, you get kind of a different set of characters every, um, every episode. So, uh, yeah, a little 12 minute episodes, really digestible. Um, there was one joke. They're coming up to a guy to question him, uh, John Hodgman and his sort of muscle guy. He goes around as a detective and his driver, he doesn't have a driver's license. So his driver <laughs> is a guy who, who, you know, uh, David Rees is the guy's name, but it's very funny as well. And they come up to an H John Benjamin from Bob's burgers and, and home movies is doing the voice of the guest. And they come to him and he says, I don't talk to cops. And he says, we're not cops. And he says, no cops, creepy old pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. And I laughed for a good five minutes and tried to relate it to Nikki. And yeah, she was like, what? Uh, I guess I'll have to watch it. Really um, but yeah, it's really funny stuff. So Dicktown and Primal. Dicktown and Primal. Dif very different uh, animated shows, but both of them I watched through HBO Max. <laughs> oh, so cool. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. Because, you know, HBO Max has that hub, oh, the hubs down at the bottom uh, where you see like the Crunchyroll and Adult Swim and the different kind of categories. Um, and yeah, I was able to get to... Uh, dick down through cool. that so um i've seen two animated things that i wanted to throw into the hat uh one is older uh scooby-doo mystery incorporated on netflix 
which is kind of um, spin on all the characters. It's I don't know. I like these like meta versions of things, but it's like weird tension, uh, parodies of things that we know very well and um, Scooby-Doo, and it kind of turns some of the stuff on its head. There's some romance between some of the characters that wasn't in any of the other versions. It's a strange-ass show that's definitely worth checking out. Uh, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. That's on Netflix. Um, and I t- Let me just see if I can... I just want to spot it to see if I know the version yeah. of that is, because I do remember... I think I remember when that... Yeah, that was a good... Ver- you know, every couple of years, you're right, Ronald, they kind of reinvent that oh. concept. And I was... When Henry was a little kid... Uh, and was watching just, you know, mostly cartoons, um, I noticed that, the, oh, yeah, there were two or three different iterations of Scooby-Doo, yeah. you know, they, that they had done. And they do get more, that that property just seems like it's ripe for that kind of meta, self-aware stuff. Yeah. Um, I do remember this being a kind of a fun, fun version of it. Yeah, it was cool. It. I really enjoyed it. And the second is Hulu's Animaniacs, the, the 2020 version of Animaniacs um, that we were also given a screener for. Thank you, Hulu. Um, I wanted to say... I think that this thing holds up, man. Like, if it has the same feeling, so like, if you don't know Animaniacs, then and you're coming in, you you might not think it's funny. Uh, but Animaniacs has kind of kept this tone, and I don't understand. You know, I'm always very amazed that somehow when something's remade, that it can keep the tone of it in some in some way, shape, or form. And uh, right. it, it feels like a. I mean, I hate to use this. I hate to use this word, but I'm gonna just use it. Uh, woke more conscious version of animaniacs that acknowledges some of the sexism some of the weird you know entitlement stuff that kind of exists i i think it was it was really enjoyable i thought that it was fun i thought it was a great show well i mean isn't animaniacs one of those shows that like if i mean it's like weird al or the simpsons or something like that where it's poking fun at pop culture so if it had kept going all these years it would have always had pop culture to poke fun at and it would have always had the same kind of stance so the fact that it's changed its game a little bit but it's still all it needs to do is be able to kind of you know blow raspberries at pop culture in a sense like it was always a very uh meta Mm. show anyway so to me the fact that yeah it's it's, I guess what I'm saying is it's not. it doesn't surprise me that they're able to bring that energy back right now. It almost feels like a show that is made for right now, that tone. Um, yeah. It's very quick, very referential, very uh, very slapsticky. <clears throat> so there was, there was actually coming back. There was, a, there was one more actually, I forgot to mention. We did binge one series this week, and it's the one that everybody's talking about on Netflix, which was The Queen's Gambit. Oh, yeah. How is it? I thought it was incredible. Holy shit. That show is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, like, um, I yeah, I I just literally saw everyone posting about it, and like it had been trending at number one on their top chart for like weeks, Mm. and that doesn't usually happen. You know, something will hold it for a couple days when it comes out, but um, you know, and literally everyone I follow is like on Twitter, especially uh, posting about this uh, miniseries, and yeah, man, it's 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 legit. Like, it's the real deal. Like, it's a it's a contender for Netflix. Like for Emmys and stuff like that, it's it's really good, and um, she's amazing in it. And um, uh, was it Anya Taylor Joy? Um, she is um, just, I mean, never has. I mean, like chess been so interesting, you know. And it's like it's got this huge cinematic epic scope to it, and like just this life of this this grand champion of chess, and uh, like 
yeah, I don't know. Like again, not knowing anything about it before we even hit play on the first episode, it's got a really great, te- like great characters, uh, cast uh, actors kind of popping in and out of episodes. Some coming back in later episodes, um, but I highly recommend it. I mean, okay. yeah, if you guys you're looking looking for something that I mean, like, again, people have been talking about this for weeks now, but this is a show that for Netflix, I know they posted this week, I, I think yesterday, uh, that it was like the highest viewed miniseries that they've ever released. Um, again, I don't know what that means in Netflix talk, but I mean, that's a good sign. A series like that um, from Scott Frank. Uh, so he he also did Godless on Netflix, which was a really good series. But um, yeah, definitely, yeah, that's the one that we did binge like over the course of like four or five days once we got back um, from having the, the babe. Um, but uh, and you're right, that one is having a moment. Like that's yeah. one where too many people whose opinion I trust were talking about how great it is. Like for me not to believe there has to be something intriguing about the way it's constructed or the way that it's made that, right. that is pulling people through it because yeah. the subject matter is interesting, but mm-hmm. isn't going to be the kind of subject matter that gets people that excited. And I feel like yeah. that's part of kind of the conversation about this show is that it is um, sort of surprisingly engrossing for the, for the type of subject that it is because it makes you, you know, people get addicted, which you normally associate that kind of storyline with a much more, like suspense or yeah. or thriller based story. So no, I and yeah, I, I'll be very happy to see Anya Taylor Joy be good in something after New seeing Mutants. New Mutants, yeah. where her performance never quite took off. Um, it, I think it really helps this. I mean, it's it's only seven episodes. So that's a plus um, too. Like in terms of we talked about, sometimes he's feeling like they're drawn out a little too far. I think seven mm-hmm. is a nice sweet spot for a show like this, for a mini series like this. Um, but. Yeah, I just, I, I do just, yeah, the the idea of, um, you know, the, the, what's the word, um, oh my god, I'm blanking on, like, not not the zeitgeist, but like, you know, this Netflix kind of having another title that really kind of crosses over, like, has nothing really going for it before it comes out, and like, it's the kind of thing that, like, everybody's talking about, you know, it's like, yeah. There's not like a bunch of pre-press for that title. It drops and people like everyone's talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's one of it's one of those things where it's not some hot acquisition or something like that. It's just like a really well made, um, well crafted story. And it's got you know I wanted to mention to you guys because we talked about this with like the season finale of Dicky. Um, um, was it Dicky? Little Dicky show? What's it called? Um, Dave. Dave. Um, yeah, like so that season finale, like how it has that moment at the end where you're just like, you kind of get like that, you want to cheer, you know, or you get the, like, yeah. that goosebump moment where the character, like, it has that moment. Yeah. And yeah. there, there's what there, it, you didn't realize you were building towards a moment. Yeah. But you were, of, of like you know, emotion and like feeling yeah. it. And there's a, there, there's a similar, I don't know if it's the same scale, um, but there's a similar moment. This show has one of those moments in the finale for the lead actress um, where you, like, literally, we, I had like, I had like goosebumps, like you know. There's like a moment of re- realization that happens, that gave me that same kind of feeling that that rooting for them the entire time, and you don't even realize that it's building to this crescendo that it is. And when it happens, you're just like, I just kind of got, you know, you just get those goosebump moments, and it's a really, uh, it's a yeah, it's just a great, great miniseries. Highly recommend. One of the better ones I've seen this year for sure. Cool. Um, yeah, definitely check that out, guys, for sure. I saw Erin posting about it too, Ronald. So I know she liked. Yeah, it. Yeah, she loved it, man. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. I can't wait to see it. Um, speaking of Netflix, I saw uh, the musical Christmas movie Jingle Jangle. 
man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How was it? It was so good, man. It's just easy. It's an easy watch. Um, yeah. It has a lot of like, like, uh, it's a heavy. It's a heavy story with a lot of like. I just hadn't seen a lot of black people on on screen doing this sort of thing, right? But then. Yeah, the outfits are really cool because it's like big. It's like these cool like suits with like African prints underneath it. It's just it looks like the set of Harry Potter. Let's it's probably the set of Harry Potter. Let's yeah, we we, (laughs) I I need to finish it. We started watching it, and I was definitely liking what I had seen so far. And it it did have like this magical like there was there were I I get what you're saying. I don't I I don't know like how to put it any better, but like. It does have this like there's so many layers to like the world that they're living in. It yeah. does seem very magical, very creative. And it, and it really kind of like even the songs in it like to me felt like they were kind of going for those like crossover pop sounding songs yes. like they did like with like Greatest Showman. Yeah. Um or or even like Hamilton sort of like some of the songs really kind of are a blending genre and uh yeah, what I saw of it, I thought was really fun. I definitely plan on finishing that soon. Um, but yeah, a lot, I, that's another one. A lot of people I, like posting. I've seen like usually like a touch point for me is like my mom telling me like, "Have you seen that thing on Netflix?" <laughs> and like, and it's like that. That's one where she's like, she's like, "I love that. That was great." It's fun. It's a and, fun uh, thing, man. Like you leave it. Yeah, and like everybody's posting about it. Yeah, yeah you feel good. I felt so good after I watched it. I'm like, anything is possible. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Which was cool. Um, what else have you guys been watching? Anything else? I, I Can I so rattle off a couple I'm of things? Dry. Okay, so of I have course. two Hulu things that I wanted to mention. One is Teacher, um, which is the story about a teacher. Um, a teacher? A teacher. A teacher. A teacher. A teacher grooming a kid no 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 i'm saying no no i'm saying the show is a called teacher. a teacher yeah yeah a yeah, teacher yeah. Is it, uh, a teacher yeah a, te- a teacher uh, both of those ways <laughs> it's based on the movie yeah it's based on the movie yes that came out uh 2013 i think yeah um yeah, yeah it's a it's a crazy show really intense um i want to watch that you will that. it's it there are parts in it where i'm like how did this you know, it's it's like this fork in the road. There's a lot of forks in the road. And I think that like I think yeah. I think this kind of makes it kind of humanizes the idea that like the only thing that really stops these things from happening happening is your moral compass. It's not like you look sure. she's looking at this person and he's taller than her. He looks like an adult to her. She should not be around this person. And she, you know, every fork in the road, it's like, nope, hang out with them. Nope, spend more time with them. Nope. <laughs> yeah. It's really yeah. interesting to watch it kind of unfold the way that it does. So that's one. Yeah, I love Kate. I, I love her. So I've been wanting to watch that. Yeah. I love Kate Mara. And she's really good. Mara, whatever. Um, and the other Hulu thing is Six Nine, the saga of Danny Hernandez, who is uh, affectionately known as Six Nine, but his rapper name is Takashi Six Nine. One of the most controversial men in in years because of the way that his fame came about and what he does once he gets caught by the police is is epic and to see because it actually starts as a pretty interesting story like he he gets uh he puts a song out he finds some some people overseas that want to promote it 
He starts touring. And then he changes his image to kind of become this caricature. So he like starts tattooing his face and rapping about vulgar things and starts hanging around gang members. And then he gets very, very popular on the internet because people don't live that life and they attach themselves. <laughs> and it is, it's a good story, man. They have to make a movie out of this. Like I, to the point where like, Somebody's gonna pick this movie up at some point, at, or this story, and make it into something. It's is that weird? I'm sure, it's already been done. It's it's. it's I'm sure it's already been done. It's so strange, man. It's a strange fucking story. It it it's this, a poor kid from New York reinventing himself several times, but the last time was the best when he decided to dye his hair and put <laughs> tattoos all over his face. It's fucking strange, man. Um, so that's <laughs> one. Um, great documentary and two. HBO uh, shows. One is Moonbase. Um, John C. Riley. Um, God, what is his name? Why can't I remember his name right now? The drummer. Tim Heidecker. Yes. Fred Armisen. Armisen. Yes. Um, a, a story about some gentlemen that are preparing for a space program and they're in the desert. No, it's very funny. Desert yeah. and kind of living their lives out there. It is so funny. The sides are really at first when I first saw it, I was like, you know, I had feelings about it. Like I was like, it feels like I'm supposed to be laughing at this and I'm just laughing at this. Then I rewatched it. I'm like, okay, I'm still laughing at the same jokes. I'm still laughing at the same gags. This is a genuinely funny show. Well, I mean, the reason to watch that is you see that Fred Armisen, John C. Riley, and Ted Tim Heidecker are doing something. You know what I mean? Like the cast is the 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 sales pitch yes. for that. And it's so there's three different but overlapping forms of comedy that you can sort of yeah trust if if you think those guys are funny and i think they're all funny on their own it was too tantalizing i i do agree with you that there is a little bit of a it's a little bit like laid back uh tone to it that can make some of the jokes feel a little bit awkward yeah. but i think again with that with those three guys you expect the humor to be awkward um i do think it's got a heart to it that that is part of what makes it tolerable you know but i know i enjoyed it a lot and i think it's 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 just yeah it's it's like the antithesis of something like Space Force, where it's this kind of big launch, and it's you know big budget, and it's all this stuff riding on it. Moonbase, Moonbase Eight, is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, Moonbase Eight is just yeah, low key in in so Very many ways, key. but it approaches a lot of those same same ideas. And um, <clears throat> no, I don't know. I I like all those actors a lot. Yeah. So Fred Armisen, you hear bad stories about his personality in real life, but I try I try not to overthink that stuff too much because i do think he does seem like an alien that might be hard to live with but i think he's a super funny performer it, it kind of seems like that comes with the territory he he doesn't strike me as a person that's very easy to at first get along right. with that might become grow yeah. into a beautiful friendship but initial interactions yeah, seem know. like they'd be rough um and then the last thing i kind of talked about this and didn't know where where you could watch it at first but now hbo max has picked it up i hate Susie. Um, which is probably one of my favorite shows of the year about a famous performer, um, like kind of jack of all trades sort of character played by Billy Piper, um, who has a, a series of compromising pictures leak and sort of the events that follow that. And uh, it's a comedy drama um, with a lot of self-reflection in it, and it's just really well done. Um, 
a diary of an of a secret call girl or diary of a call girl was Billy Piper. Secret diary of a call girl. Secret diary of a call girl. Thank you. Was uh, Billy Piper sort of uh, introduction to uh, American audiences and a lot of people kind of that's a sleeper hit. It's like a really cool show that yeah. I still hear about every every couple of months. Somebody will bring it up in a blog or something like that. Um, but I hate Susie is a really good show, very short, and kind of gets to the point. It's 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 worth checking out. And now is on HBO Max. Nice. So that's all I've seen. That's a whole lot. It's a whole lot, man. <laughs> it's a whole whole lot. Well, next week we can talk about Fargo, The Undoing. Yes. That'll be good. Um, yeah. And uh, I want to check out that new Hulu movie, The Happiest Season. Me with too. With Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis. I haven't checked that out yet. Maybe we can talk about that too. Um, cool. Do you guys have anything else you want to throw in tonight's episode? Not tonight, except... Uh, I guess I hope everyone's having a a, a happy and safe Thanksgiving yeah, weekend. Yeah, <clears throat> have a safe and happy holiday weekend. Yes, please. Hopefully, do. you're practicing smart decisions and um, taking care of you and yours. Yes. Yes, please do. Um, MovieSchmovie.com is the website. Facebook.com/slash MovieSchmovie, and we have an email address: MovieSchmovie at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to the podcast, have any ideas for episodes. Want to talk to us about uh, anything that we've talked about on the podcast or maybe that you want us to talk about on the podcast, please let us know in any of those ways. Um, If you do subscribe through any of the podcast feeds uh, on Apple Podcasts, what else, Spotify, anywhere we are, um, if you could take a moment leave a review or a star rating or any kind of feedback you can give us, help us get the word out about the podcast. We would really appreciate it. And like we said at the top of the show, um, you know, last week's episode was a really great one for us. We talked to uh, the filmmaking team from Hulu's new film, Run. Um, we have a video up on YouTube uh, on the channel there if you want to watch that um, to see uh, the interview that we did. Or you can check out last week's episode for the interview if you want to just kind of listen to it as you're doing, going about your day. Um, but uh, we definitely would appreciate it if you could check that episode out. It was a pretty special one for the podcast. Um But with that said, we'll see you guys next week, and we'll be talking about a couple uh, of our shows that we've been following that are wrapping up this week and uh, maybe a couple other new release titles that are coming out between now and then. And as always, uh, you've made our day. Thanks.